This is the Jabberjaw Podcast Network. For years, I was so fed up with shampoo, I just stopped washing my hair. I quit completely. I was so sick of poofy, frizzy, limp hair, distorting my natural oils. Until a few months ago, I found modern mammals and it changed everything. And by the way, right now you can visit modernmammals.com and use code LSS for 10% off. So check that out. So look, I heard about this through the podcast and before I agreed to advertise, they sent it to me and I was reluctant. But let me tell you, I should not have been. This stuff is absolutely magical. My hair felt better, smelled way better, and most importantly, looked better. And I know it will do the same for you as well. It doesn't have those hair-ruining chemicals like other products, and it doesn't leave any leftover residues. It works. Don't believe me? Go read their awesome reviews online as well. Go to ModernMammals.com and use code LSS for 10% off. Again, that's ModernMammals.com for 10% off with promo code LSS. Don't forget to use our promo code LSS so they know we sent you. Oh, hey, my sinners. What is up? Welcome back to my podcast, a special birthday edition of my podcast, Lead Singer Syndrome, a podcast where I, your host, Shane Told, speaks to other lead singers about what it's like to be the front man or front woman of a band. And yes, today is my birthday. I'm not going to tell you how old I am. It's Googleable. I don't like saying the number. Uh, big shout out to all the people that have gotten me presents, all the sinners, people in the group, fans in general. It is awesome. If you want to get me a little belated birthday present, I don't mind. I'm into this. I have a little Amazon wish list up. If you want to check it out, it can be found at leadsingersyndrome.com slash wish list. But uh, it's funny, you know, I bring up my age and, you know, you get older, you know, everybody can relate to this because everybody has a birthday every year and you kind of look back on the past year, you know, and I think you always sort of look at that past year and you're like, man, what was I thinking? And I think at some point you feel like, okay, I'm, that's not going to happen to me anymore. I'm just going to be an adult and I'm going to be smart. But for me, not really. <laughs> I still feel like I'm 20. I don't feel like I'm in my, I don't even want to say it. Um, but I did get a birthday card that said right on it, it was from Christina Fickett, actually. Shout out to Christina, straight out of Dallas, Texas. And it said, happy 30 blank birthday. And I was like, oh, the number, the number. Seeing it on the page just really kind of freaked me out. But hey, I'm not 40 yet. That's going to be a scary one. But thank you, everybody, for the birthday love, the birthday wishes. It's awesome. So let's get to this week's episode. I speak to a guy that you guys might not be super familiar with, not in a huge band, not a place that's that's selling out House of Blues across America or anything, but I think one day they might. They're a very talented band, and this singer is 
incredible. And since I did this podcast, I've been listening to them nonstop. They are called Dayseeker. The guest is Rory Rodriguez. This guy has a hell of a voice. We talk about that. We talk about how prolific he is with all these different songs and projects. And it really is a great conversation to really get in what it's like to be a working musician in this scene. Before we get into that, as always, I want you to know you can get in touch with me anytime. It's really, really easy. There are so many ways to do it. Email leadsingersyndrome at gmail.com. We've got Twitter. We've got Instagram. We've got a new reworked Facebook page. Definitely go like that if you don't already. It's all pretty easy to find with a little search magic. And if you're not so happy, please feel free to call the hate line. It is 1-657-666-HATE, and you can leave me a message and you can tell me how much I suck, what a horrible job I'm doing. Maybe you weren't that happy with my conversation with Rory of Dayseeker. I don't know. Give me a call. Leave me the hate. I love the hate. And again, once in a while, I do roll out a clip or two. So you may be on the show inadvertently. So give me a call. 657-666-HATE. Also, if you want to support the show, we have the All Access Club. We're just about to hit 250 members. It is awesome. It's a great community, great people, so much fun. And of course, there's a lot of perks. You get bonus episodes. You get a question and answer session with me. I do on the Facebook group. Access to the Facebook group, which is just an incredible place to share thoughts, ideas, music, sports, jokes, memes, whatever you want. It's awesome. And also, if you join the second highest tier, which is $9 a month, you get stuff sent to your house, merchandise, and all the stuff every three months. And we've been doing it for just over a year now, and it is so much fun. And again, shout out to all my sinners. If you're interested in joining, it's as little as $6 a month. It really does help the show keep going and keep growing week after week. Here's the link, leadsingersyndrome.com slash all access. Check it out. I want to give a big shout out to the sponsor of the show, rockabilia.com, the best place on the internet to get merch. Seriously, don't even bother going anywhere else. All the stuff they have is awesome. It's all officially licensed from the bands. There's no counterfeit bootleg stuff like you sometimes find on eBay or Amazon. Actually, you find it a lot, especially on Amazon. You got to be really, really careful. Amazon's one of those things you think is legit, but you're not always buying it from Amazon. You're buying from a third party. I have had, I've been burned before. At rockabilia.com, that's not going to happen. They have over 500,000 unique items. You're not going to have the same thing. Everyone's walking around town at the mall, at the show. Everyone's wearing the same shirt. That's not going to happen because they have so many unique things. I was looking up <laughs> I was looking up some stuff and I found a Cannibal Corpse hockey jersey. So if you can think of it, they probably have it. So head over to rockabilia.com. That's rockabilia.com right now and pick up something real nice but here's the best part if you use my promo code you're going to save 15% off your entire order right now easy use PCLSS fire that in the promo code box 15% off your entire order again PCLSS at rockabilia.com the best merch store on the internet Right now, I am on tour with my band Silverstein. We are with Tonight Alive, Broadside, and Picturesque. It's a fantastic tour. We're kind of getting down to the last couple weeks. But if you do live on the East Coast of America uh, or Chicago or Detroit, some of those Midwestern cities as well, we will be there. 
very soon. Uh, check it out. It's it's really I really am happy with the show that Silverstein's put together on this tour. And now we're we're a little over halfway through the tour, and it's going so awesome. So I don't want you to miss it. So check out tickets for that. It's at thegetfreetour.com. All right, let's jump in to my conversation with an incredible singer, incredible frontman, Mr. Rory Rodriguez of Dayseeker. What's up, man? Hey, what's up, dude? Dude, I'm uh, I'm having a nice little Wednesday afternoon, just hanging, you know. Yeah, man. Are you? I I actually you're from Canada, right? But I don't know where you you actually live. Yeah, uh, I live in I live in Toronto. Oh, nice. So and I'm sure you've been here a couple times. One time, actually. Only only <laughs> once. Only once. Tell yeah. me tell me about your Toronto experience. Um, oh man, that was actually, that was kind of a funny time because, uh, uh, I don't want to rat anybody out specifically. Uh, one oh, of our come members, on, rat, rat, one, rat. Of, <laughs> one of our, uh, one of the guys in our band, he, um, he got a DUI, but it, it was only because he was, he was actually 20 at the time. And, uh, he, if you have any amount of alcohol in your breath, I, I don't know how it works in Canada, but if you have any amount of um, alcohol in your breath and you're under 21, you immediately get a DUI. So oh, yeah. he, uh, Bummer. yeah, he had a, he had a few drinks. I mean, he actually he waited uh, a while drive, and I think he got pulled down the street from his house, and he had like a .01 or .02 on his breath, and so he got a he got a DUI, and so we 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 kind of got worried because yeah, we got confirmed for a. Uh, a silent planet headliner that passed through uh, yeah. Canada and, and we heard it's, they're pretty, uh, they're pretty crazy about letting anybody into the country who had a DUI. So he had to get a, I think it's called like a temporary resident permit or something. And we had to file for it and we, we did all that, but they, they were still pretty, pretty crazy at the border about letting him get through. And they were asking us stuff like, well, what would you guys do if he just couldn't play with you? Or if we didn't let him through, they were like, really, (laughs) really kind of, really kind of intense about it. But, um, other than that, the, no, the show was good. Uh, it was cold. Um, (laughs) yeah, we we got some free Chipotle, which was nice. Um, as as the touring bands do, um, and I didn't know how they would react to that stuff in Canada. I've but. never gotten free Chipotle. This is not like I've heard about this, but I've never actually got it. I've gotten like the free illegal Pete's burritos in Denver. Oh yeah, yeah. that place yeah, is yeah. pretty cool. But I've never got no, I've never got free Chipotle. I know I know Garrett's like all uh, all about the free Chipotle, the free Chick Fil A. Like I know he <laughs> works his magic. 
Yeah, yeah, they were actually the ones who like kind of gave us the heads up initially because we it kind of sounded too good to be true. But um, yeah, yeah, if you're in a touring band and and you you don't know about that, yeah, it's it's a pretty it's a pretty nice hack, and you can usually you know if you can split up your meals between just one of those, which you know their food portions are massive. Uh, you can <laughs> you can you can like eat the whole day, and you don't. Uh, you don't spend any money on food, so it's yeah. We we do it a lot actually on on tours. Um, our, our drummer, our drummer Mike, is like really. I don't know if it's his voice or whatever because I've tried calling and they're they're usually like no fuck off. But whenever Mike calls for some reason, they're really they're really all about it and they they usually uh, they usually help us out. So it's it's awesome <laughs> for touring. There's always somebody in the band that does that like adult things and it, and like and it's always random i remember the first time we we ever played a show outside of like of our area and we were this is like in fuck like 2001 and we like had to call the promoter and we like didn't know like we were all kind of like little kids and we were scared and we were lost and <laughs> and we we're like let's have josh call he's the cool one <laughs> so you know we would put him on the phone and every time we crossed the border i always drove across the border and talked to like the border guy that was like my job or or when oh, we go to the funny. airport i'm the one that checks us in with the baggage you know like there it's like i don't know why but there's always like one person in the band it's not necessarily like the band leader either it's just like for some reason, there's someone in that has the right character uh, to to handle that, you know. Yeah, I feel you. It's it's funny too. I I I do a lot of I guess the the dad or the adult stuff in the band, but <laughs> yeah. I and it, that's why I tried the Chipotle thing. But it's like, man, I've I've gotten rejected a lot of times, and I I feel like my spiel is like it's really not too far off from what Mike does. But for whatever reason, um, he just I don't know. He just maybe has a kinder sounding voice or something, but he, he gets it like, I mean, sometimes he has to call like five or six in a row, but he always seems to get it for us. But I know what you mean. There's, there's <laughs> five or six different Chipotles? <laughs> yeah, he'll, he'll literally find like, he'll find like five, like, like multiple Chipotles. We'll get to a venue and we'll load in and then he'll call. Sometimes we'll get it on the first one. So yeah, sometimes he has to call like five or six and we'll, we'll drive like, you know, like 20 or 25 minutes to go get food, but it's like, but I mean, then it's nice. Yeah. Cause then if you, you know, if you're on a tour where you're, you know, you're fortunate enough to get some type of buyout, then right. you just pocket it. So you, it's almost like you're so, sort of getting paid to tour. It's a weird concept. you know. <laughs> well, yeah, I, I, I mean, we used to eat Taco Bell, like pretty much like multiple <laughs> times a day because Taco Bell's like the closest thing to free. Uh yeah. you know, and mm-hmm. that was our that was our thing. But like I I mean Taco Bell's great because there's there's quite a bit of variety with the menu. There's not a lot mm-hmm. of variety with Chipotle. Like you must get pretty sick of it. Yeah, it's yeah, it gets a little it gets a little monotonous. I mean it's it's good though, because I mean and then I don't know, in a setup where it would be very easy to just eat like like total shit for a month it kind of i do feel like my body hates me a little bit less than like the first few times we went out to tour but it's yeah i I agree it can get a little like damn i've had like a chicken salad like like six days in a row so far but (laughs) but mike's also kind of funny in that way because he he really doesn't he's very health conscious and all he eats when he's home is like ground turkey and vegetables so he's like and he doesn't get sick of 
like he can eat the same thing over and over again. And if it tastes good, he really doesn't get sick of it. So okay. well, hey, whatever he's, works. He's lucky in that regard. Yeah, man. So you're a, you're a Southern California kid. Uh, I always mm-hmm. wonder, you know, we talk about Toronto. I always wonder what it's like for people that grow up in Southern California and then they go on tour for the first time and they're in a van and trailer, which is not a great mm-hmm. vehicle to drive anyways, but having to drive that in like the snow in winter when you've never done it before. I always, oh. I always want to ask bands what that's like. Oh God. Yeah. It's, um, there's some major culture shock. Definitely. Um, we, the first tour we got confirmed, like, well, our first like real, real tour that wasn't three or four days was, uh, we did, uh, yeah, we did like three or four weeks with, um, this band Kingdom of Giants, um, Death of an Era, and then, um, a band called Adestria. They were based out of San Diego. And, um, yeah, man, it, it actually started in late November and we, we were just so excited to tour. We didn't really understand like all these areas we were hitting in the U.S. It was like, literally the worst time to go because of the weather and the conditions and we had a yeah we had a few drives where it looked like uh it looked like star wars like you were going light speed because because the snow is like the snow's not like falling all pretty and delicately it's like shooting at your van right. while you're and if you put on the high beams driving. if you put on the high beams it's like even crazier yeah yeah, yeah. it's just uh there's a and I mean, that was the first of many times, but we, uh, oh yeah, on that tour too, we hit like black ice and we, uh, we oh, lost geez. control of our van and we, uh, it, it, yeah, we, we were lucky we were in like a residential neighborhood, but our van actually got stuck in a ditch and then our, our trailer jackknifed. So our, it like dented our trailer in and then it, this was in, um, I think it was in San Antonio or some part of Texas, but, um, somebody was actually really nice. Like we were, we thought we were going to be hours late for check-in and then some really nice guy just saw us and he had like a tow hitch attached to his pickup truck and he just like helped pull us out in like five minutes and then he just left and it was like definitely that, that Texas or Southern hospitality maybe. No, that's, but, that's cool. Um, no, yeah, but it's, um, it's terrifying, man. And we even, uh, we, we recorded with this guy named uh, Josh Schroeder for our last record, and he was really great to work with. But he's based out of uh, like Bay City or uh, Midland in Michigan, and uh, it's oh wow. We yeah we, we went to record at uh, like January third until like oh. early February, and it was just like again I love the studio. Um, and and Josh was awesome to work with, but the living quarters that you stay in is actually like a twenty minute drive from the studio so every every day it was just like just so sketchy driving because yeah and it, you could literally go over like 10 miles an hour in his neighborhood and you would start just skidding out on the road and so right it was I, like i didn't even i didn't even need to get coffee sometimes because i just had crazy anxiety from almost <laughs> dying every time we drove no i don't even know where bay city michigan is it's uh like, it's like where Detroit is. It's basically like two, it's like two or three hours north, I believe. So it's okay. it's really close to like the like the edge of the state. But wow. It's, uh, yeah, that's crazy. Yeah, it's, uh, go ahead. Sorry. Oh no, no. I was just gonna say, yeah, you're you're very right. It's um, you know, in California, the worst we get is a little bit of rain, <laughs> and it's uh, and I mean, it's still you still want to be a little bit careful when you drive, but it's. 
It's a whole other thing, man. It's it's definitely some major major uh, culture shock when you're driving <laughs> through these freezing parts of the U.S. Uh, damn, dude. No, that's that's crazy. And yeah, I could relate to it. Now, I'm actually like where I am right now talking to you. I'm in Windsor, Ontario, which is like mm-hmm. right across the border from Detroit. Like if I look out the window, I can see Detroit. So I'm oh, basically nice. I'm basically right right there, and I'd never heard of Bay City. So, um, well, dude, this is um, it's really good to have you on the show, man. Um, I, I, I talked to you, you know, like I talked to a lot of artists that are more well known, um, that have done mm. a lot more stuff that 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 have sold, you know, gold records and platinum records. But I always love to talk to some of the more uh, I don't know how to say it, the grinders. The career musicians sure. like yourself that you know mm-hmm. you already you already made a crack about about what it's like to get paid to play shows, uh, which is which is yeah. supposed to be your free your your food money that you ha- you get to keep because you get free mm-hmm. Chipotle because Mike calls, mm-hmm. um, you know. So it's really good to have you, and I like to get that take on things. You know, the take from the the grinding in the trenches of of what it's like to be a real working musician and not somebody that that travels on on uh, uh, buses and, and, you know, has everything done for them. So it's really, really good to have you. And, and one thing you already talked about your new record. Um, your new record is awesome. Dreaming is sinking. Oh, thanks, waking man. is rising. It's, it's really, um, it's an emotional ride. I feel. And it's, Thank and, you, and it's, it's put together. It's a, it's a very high concept record and it's put together in a way that a lot of records aren't put together anymore. Um, can you talk to me about that record and, and what went into planning it, writing it? Because it isn't just an, like another record where you have to, where you just, okay, we're going to write some songs and, and figure it out later. This is like, it seems like a lot of thought went into it. Yeah, um, it was, uh, yeah, I, I used to, I was really into this band uh, called Boys Night Out. Um, <laughs> Yeah, I know them very ago. well. Do you know? Yeah, I'm they're sure, from yeah, they're from the same hometown as as Silverstein. <clears throat> We're from the same yeah. exact place. We I've known them since I was like 14 years old. Yeah, that's oh, okay. Really so funny, train wreck. Right? You're going to bring up train wreck. I am going to bring up train wreck. That makes yeah, a lot of sense now. It's a shame too because like uh, I feel like because a few people have asked me the same question and I feel like I that band and that album and then people just kind of look at me like huh like they like have no they have no idea who i'm talking about but Mm -hmm. um they're um yeah you know my older sister she listened to like kind of post-hardcore all that stuff when i was in high school so she kind of she kind of guided me through like my early stuff when i started listening to it um i listened to them a good amount of Silverstein too. Um, th- I have a f- I have a funny few stories actually about Silverstein, but we can oh, we can talk oh, into that. Oh, I'm ready. Um, I'm ready. Um, but uh, yeah, with the album, yeah, I I heard Trainwreck when I was uh, quite a bit. I know that album is uh, it's got to be over ten. Years I think it old came out in two thousand. I think it came out in two thousand five. I could be wrong, but I think that's the year it came out. Yeah, um, but it was. Um, you know, and at first it just sounded like a, a like a good record, and then it, I I think especially at a younger age because I, I had to have been like probably like uh, I don't know like fifteen or sixteen, so I I just started listening to like real music, and I I feel like that was one of the first albums I heard, and then my sister was explaining like the concept that this guy kind of wakes up in the middle of like a dream and like kills his wife, and then you know each song is like a chronological story of 
his like road to recovery. I mean, you, you think like it, you know, it seems pretty bad in the beginning and then you think it's going to be fine. And then, you know, he ends up like taking his own life at the end, but the last track's like really drawn out and they, they kind of re they bring back all these lines from different songs. And I, I just thought the way it ended was like, I don't know. It was very um, like visually satisfying. Like I could see a lot of the scenes in my head. Or, oh, I, I it really paints take... a picture. Yeah. No, it's an amazing record. Yeah. And um, so yeah, it's I've wanted to I've wanted to do like a concept um for over a decade since I heard that album, but I was always like it's you know, for me sometimes it's hard to finish writing a song, you know, even just one song like I'll you know, I'll write half of it and I'm really stoked and then I'll get three fourths of the way through and it's it it would feel difficult sometimes. And and you know, and that's one time, you know. Sometimes it feels like uh it's I can do a whole one and it's it comes in like an hour and it, yeah. it was really easy. But um, so it always seemed kind of daunting to, to commit to writing like 10 or 11 tracks that are all based around the same story or the same concept. But um, I had a I have a, a guy I know indirectly. He was in a motorcycle accident um, actually out here in California. And he uh, he he's been in a. Not necessarily a coma. I would say, honestly, more of like a vegetative state for a very, very long time for a few years now. And um, it kind of, I mean, I started seeing like stories and articles about people who would wake up um, from comas or vegetative states after years and years. And they would say like, I was like fully conscious. Um, I just couldn't say or do anything. And um, it's, uh, it was really interesting for me to think about. And so. I thought at first I was like, well, that would be really interesting to try and write from the perspective of someone who's in a coma. And then, um, and then I started thinking of other ideas, you know, along that same sort of storyline. And then before I knew it, I had like, at first I was like, well, maybe I can write like two tracks that are, uh, like interlapping. And then I, I was like, Oh, like I have like six or seven song ideas and they're all related to the same story. So I felt like at that point I kind of just had to commit, and uh, just write the whole thing as a concept. So, right, yeah, it's yeah, it's basically just about you know. I, I had a friend who was a victim of sexual assault. Um, she's a very sweet woman. You know, I'm not saying anybody deserves that, but she definitely on oh, no. on the end of any spectrum of, of a human being. Like she, she's just like the nicest woman on the planet. Like absolutely, um, it's you know, it's terrible that it happened to her. But I, I always wanted to write about you know, her experience and, uh, how it made me feel towards the person who did that. And then, um, in turn, I, I started, uh, reading this book called the coma by this guy, uh, Alex Garland. And so in that story, it's about a guy who falls into a coma and he's, it's cause he's defending, um, this, uh, random woman on a train. Cause it seems like she's about to get robbed or possibly sexually assaulted. And they end up beating him into a coma. So I, I kind of see like, a inability for you know i wanted to write about my friend's experience and i i thought if i took it like the fictional route sort of like train wreck um i wrote it basically about a guy who's like defending his wife from right a guy who had sexually assaulted his wife and then he, the guy uh who did that terrible thing actually uh, ends up beating the main character into a coma and then the uh so that's in the first track and then the rest of the album follows is it almost seems like he wakes up immediately and his, uh, his wife has left him. And then, um, his mother who he has kind of a, 
poor relationship with that again kind of ties into real life for myself uh like she ends up passing away while he's in the coma and all these things kind of keep building um until like a kind of a big low point in the album and then there's a there's a track called carved from stone where he ends up actually hearing his wife's uh voice and then that track is from her perspective and it's about how she hasn't really left his side since he's been in the coma and he, he actually hasn't been awake at all. Like he's, you know, any of the terrible things that have been happening throughout like most of the album, they've all just been like uh, dreams within his coma. And then, um, so then after he hears his wife's voice, it becomes pretty apparent that now he's conscious and in the fact of knowing that he's still in his coma and it's kind of like his, uh, his struggle to get out of it. And then um, the last track is kind of apocalyptic in tone. And (laughs) I wanted that for the listener to be like, you know, if you want to be a pessimist, you could say that it's apocalyptic and final because maybe he's about to pass away in his coma. Or um, if you want to be an optimist, like I try to be sometimes it's, uh, it's kind of like maybe his coma is about to end and he's about to wake up to uh, reality. Right. Right. And then the last track kind of ends and it, you know, it can kind of, it kind of starts where it ended. And I, I didn't want to steal train rack, but I, you know, we overlapped <laughs> a, t- a ton of reoccurring lines from the beginning of the album that I felt like sort of summed up the story. And it's and a, yeah, you're, it was, you're paid homage. Yeah, it was, <laughs> it's, yeah, it was, yeah, not a direct ripoff, but I, uh, there was from, from that album and then, um, the, the, the book I read and just real life experiences, it was a ton of influence and, um, yeah, I'm stoked. I, I always, I thought I would never like really get around to doing a, a full concept, but yeah, I'm, I'm really proud with how it turned out. And, um, yeah, I, I appreciate you saying that, man. Yeah. It's yeah, man. And, and, and it's funny, you know, um, you talk about the personal experiences that you've had, that you are able to kind of uh, spin into a cohesive story, a cohesive album. Um, it's kind of interesting. And, and, you know, you talk about your friend that was a victim of sexual assault. You talk about your friend in the motorcycle accident. And now you bring up your own uh, personal experience. And you've talked about your mother uh, and her drug addiction. You've talked about it quite extensively. Um, mm. how, what is that like now? I mean, I mean, uh, maybe we should start at the beginning. I mean, like you grew up in Southern California, you know, your I know your mom and dad got divorced when you were at a fairly young age. Um, mm. what was your upbringing like? Um, yeah, well, yeah, my mom was, uh, she obviously had a drug addiction. She was working as a, as like a waitress, um, in the evenings on the weekend. So, um, my dad started noticing a big issue because she would, uh, you know, she'd have a shift Friday night at seven or eight at night and she's supposed to get off at like two or three. And then, uh, she wouldn't come home until like Monday morning. <laughs> like, you know, like she'd be gone for like three or four days and, uh, you know, it'd be, you know, him and, uh, me and then, uh, my, my two sisters and he would just kind of be like, Hey, we have a family. Like you can't, you can't just like disappear for an entire weekend and not tell anybody what you're doing. And yikes. Yeah. So yeah, she, uh, she met a guy that she's been dating for a very long time. I think while she was uh, a waitress and I, I believe he had a pretty big hand in exposing her to a lot of the, the drugs that she got into. But um, yeah, my, my dad couldn't really <clears throat> handle it at some point and they had to get 
uh, divorced when I was five or six. So I went to live with my mom and her new boyfriend. And then um, my dad, you know, because <laughs> it's silly, but because my mom is the female or, you know, that side in the relationship, they automatically granted her child support. So my dad had to move out on his own and he was paying like, I don't know, I think, uh, I think like $400 every two weeks in child support. Like it was, it was pretty rough for him, uh, financially. And, uh, so yeah, it's kind of a bummer because the parent I, I would want to live with actually, um, he just didn't financially have enough money to actually take care of us full time. So I only saw him, you know, I think once a week and then I, I would spend every other weekend with him, <clears throat> but, uh, yeah, it was, I mean, I was really young when it was happening, so it was just strange stuff. Like, I'd yeah. walk downstairs, and my, my mom would be, like, laughing hysterically, um, and I, I would think, oh, the TV's on, and I'd look, and the TV would just be off, and I'm, like, seven, so I'm really naive, and I'm just like, what's so funny? And she's, like, just laughing, going, like, nothing, nothing, and, and uh, you know, like, things like that seemed, like, weird, and it, but not a big Did deal. Did you have brothers and, and the, sisters? I did, yeah. I I, had, I have two older sisters. And they um, lived. They I, lived with you too. They did, yeah, yeah. So, I I mean, and I and thank God I had that because there was because then I definitely grew up going like, am I crazy or is this just yeah, well, really how, weird? How, or how much older are they than you? Did they did they have an idea more of what was going on? But yeah, they did. Um, I have a middle sister. She's the one who sent me um, uh, like Boys Night Out and all that stuff. She's three years oh, older. Yeah, sorry. And then I have uh, I have another sister who's uh, ten years older. So oh wow, they, um, yeah, they they definitely knew. But it, you know, I think for me at a young age, it was hard to try and start talking about like drugs or the effect that it can have on your mind. Because yeah, because my mom she did a she did some type of a form of methamphetamine, and it uh, it basically you know the real issue and why it's hard for us to have a relationship currently is because it it kind of, it did a lot of irreversible damage. And now she's kind of at a point where she's living in a reality that is just, just so far off from, from what's real or what's true. She just has really outlandish theories about our family, you know, being involved in child porn or yeah. Yeah. Just like her, you know, how her, her, her boyfriend knows president Obama and just like, you know, just, the craziest things you could think of that a human being could think like it, wow. it's all, it's all very real to her. So That's those things, those crazy. things kind of coming through. Cause then I noticed that when I went into high school and I think kind of why I, I grasped onto this type of music that's sad or emotional is cause it would, it would make me feel better when I would listen to it. And, um, I, yeah. And as soon as I started kind of becoming more of an adult, her her kind of vicious or more crazy side, she kind of started displacing onto me and she would just randomly start going off that she knows that I'm working with the government to, to work against her and just, you know, crazy stuff to hear when you're, <laughs> especially from your mom when you're like a freshman in high school. Right. And, you know, would just dig through my stuff looking for cameras or wire you know whatever she thought was in my room and it was uh it was an interesting upbringing and then um yeah finally uh i don't know her and her boyfriend said they were splitting up so they said we had to leave but i believe it might have just been a staged breakup or something because 
uh, we ended up moving up with my dad and then he, he was a year, I think away from not paying child support. So it wasn't a big deal, but then, uh, I would pass by their apartment all the time though. And they, they never really split up. I think they just didn't want me or my sisters there. Um, so I moved in with my dad. Yeah. When I was uh, about 17 and, um, it was a much healthier living situation. And, um, that was right when I, I started learning how to play music and I, I was actually very, uh, I was very introverted for the few years in high school. I mean, I think when I started writing music, I didn't, I didn't realize how uh, cathartic it would be. And I, and being that open about a lot of really hard stuff, I feel like it made me, I don't know, like I'm like, even now I'm very open to talk about anything and I, you know, and I'm, I'm, you know, I'm grateful for, you know, kind of those terrible things happening to hopefully shape me to be more appreciative for certain things that I have that other people might not have or vice versa. So, mm-hmm. um, so I don't, I don't regret it happening, but it, you know, it, cause I think it had a big part of why I'm here and why I'm doing music. And I'm, I'm sure you can relate in some regards. Cause I, you know, I was big into silver scene when I was younger too. And that was, yeah, that was one of the stories I had was I, uh, uh, I'm in my first terrible band. Um, I, oh man, I might <laughs> what have were you a copy of it. Oh God. I don't know if I want to announce that publicly. <laughs> um, I was in a terrible band called Oh No Please. Um, it oh was, no please. Okay. yeah, the dumbest. I joined this band. They're like kind of throwing this name around. I was like, I don't like that at all. And then like a day later, they're like, well, the MySpace is made. So like, <laughs> I can't go it, back. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it was, it was fun. I just, I didn't know what I was doing, like screaming wise. And I was doing like this high pitched Alice Santa type or, <laughs> you know, really old Emery type stuff. And it just didn't sound, it didn't sound so awesome. But, um, my, uh, Oh man, it's funny. Um, I hope he doesn't, I mean, I don't talk to him much anymore. I hope my buddy doesn't kill me. His name's, uh, Wes, his name's Wes period. He's, he's a really good, um, hip hop, uh, hip hop artist. And we kind of grew up in the scene together when we were younger. And, um, me and one of my bandmates, we were really into that song, uh, discovering the waterfront. And we had like, right. uh, we worked out like this acoustic arrangement that, cause I think, I think you guys did a few live acoustic sessions for like some in-store stuff and i saw it um on like youtube when it was just getting popular and i was like oh man the acoustic one sounds so nice and then we uh we uh we were like really drunk one night at my buddy wes's house (laughs) and we uh we recorded like a cover of uh discovering the waterfront and i'm I'm sure it doesn't sound that great and I, i haven't listened to it in like a decade but my buddy wes told me that he was going through a breakup and he like, he listened to our cover of it like a year after we did it. And he said it like made him cry. Cause he was like so <laughs> sad about, <laughs> about it. I mean, it's, you know, it's a very sad song. It's, it's a great song. There's yeah, there's, yeah. there's a lot of good hits, you know, overall for silver scene, but, um, well, thanks. Anyways. Man. Yeah. Yeah. Totally running off track there. No, but, no, no. It's okay though. Um, I love, I love the, uh, I love the the tangents that happen in this podcast, but yeah, no, I mean, I can't, you know, you say I can relate to you. I can't relate to you at all in terms of my upbringing. I mean, my parents are, no, my parents, I had a great family structure. My parents are still together. 
They're fantastic people. I never had any, you know, issues at all in my household. Is about as normal uh, an upbringing as as I can have, and a lot of the things that that I wrote about and stuff stemmed from, yeah, you know, like relationships uh, mm-hmm. and, and and a lot of stuff that was happening with people around me that I would kind of like, you know, write from their perspective and stuff. You know what I mean? Because overall, like, I'm a pretty I'm a pretty upbeat guy, uh, or at least I was. You know, I had a pretty good childhood, so mm-hmm. you know, um, I hope that doesn't disappoint you. <laughs> <laughs> you know, but, no, but it's, no. it's, it's, you know, it, it is, it is kind of like, I think that, you know, emotion and, and expression can come from a lot of places, um, you know, and, and it doesn't always have to be the same. And I think that that's, you know, it's, it's funny that you, that you say this cause I was asking Garrett, uh, Garrett from, Sp- from Simple Planet, I almost said Silent Planet, uh, who, who, you know, it works with you guys as your manager. And he said mm-hmm. that your writing style is sort of similar to mine. Uh, and and I I don't know if that's his take, if that's his take, if that's a general consensus, uh, if that's if that's your take. I don't know whose take that is, but it's a take. So I mean, you know, it's he's interesting. A, he's a smart he's a smart guy, so I will I'll take anything he says um, pretty seriously. But I don't know. I mean, it could be because you know we we sort of fall I think into a rare category of maybe people who are doing both. Like I know it's not not split duty as far as yelling and, and singing goes. And, right. uh, you know, so I think, yeah, maybe it's cause we're, we're trading off between doing both at the same time. But I mean, it is though, like, you know, it could be too, that honestly, even that I was like influenced by you when I was growing up. I mean, and that could be why a writing style is similar. Cause I, I was listening to you guys when I was, yeah, when I was like 15 or 16. And I feel like those are like some, major years for shaping like sure um a person's writing style um like lyrically uh, or vocally so i totally. i could see i could see some similarities and that actually that's really funny because that makes me think of one of the other stories of silverstein and <laughs> i don't know i don't know if i'm making this up that we talked in person about it and i feel like i feel like we did um okay or I don't know if I just saw an interview and then I got older and was like, no, I, I totally talked to him <laughs> one time when I was younger. Did I, uh, when, did you guys ever, when did you play Warped? Like, like the first time you guys played Warped? Uh, in California? Um, yeah, yeah. Cause I, I, I think... feel like I talked to you at Warped, but I would have been very young. Well, um, how old are you now? I'm 28. Okay. So, yeah. So we played... We did it in oh I, I remember we did it in oh four and oh five. I think oh five would have been the first year we would have played California. Okay. And it was right yeah. before Discovering the Waterfront came out. I can remember the show actually, I think in, in either Pomona or Ventura mm-hmm. uh or maybe it was LA that year. I don't know. But I can remember that pretty well. Dude, yeah. Um I I feel like I again maybe it was just an interview, but I, I really feel like I ran into you somewhere and I you know, I was like you know, I was probably 15 or 16. So I was, I was probably just like wetting my pants that I, you know, was talking to you at the time, but I, I forgot how it came up, but I think we were asking about, I don't know, man, I feel like discovering the waterfront was out already, but maybe it was anyways, 06 then. Cause we came back and we did a warp tour in 06 again, the whole thing. Oh, okay. So it might've yeah. been that year. It might've been. Yeah. But, uh, I don't know how it came up, but it, it came into a conversation where, and it always, it, 
it's so funny because you know I've watched you guys and I, I've listened to, like your other albums too, and it's like you said something along the lines of like I like yeah like the screaming thing is fun and all, but I realistically I only see myself doing it for like another album or two, and it was I think discovering was already out, and that you know like this sixteen year old me was like oh man, and but then like I. And then it was funny because then as the years have gone on, like, I've listened to each of the albums and then you're still rocking it with the screaming. And I was like, oh man, he lied. Like, he's I, just, he's I don't still know. Going hard, you, know? you know, I don't think I ever said that I was like going to stop or I wanted to stop. What uh-huh. I might have meant was I don't know if I'm going to be able to. Because, uh, yeah. because like, mm. because that's the thing about, about singing and screaming. And like, at the time, I started doing it, you know, and you already you already brought up that I that you know you and I we both do we do both. There wasn't a lot of guys that did both. Yeah. There were guys mm-hmm. that that sang and they sang all pretty, and then there were guys that screamed and they screamed all ugly, and and there wasn't a lot of overlapping, and mm-hmm. there was really no bands that had had long careers that had done both. So it was kind of like I th- I just assumed that the screaming was going to wreck my voice and I was going to like end up sounding like Tom Araya from Slayer, you know what I mean? And that and that <laughs> yeah. was and then I wasn't going to be able to sing anymore, and that's just kind of was like the consensus. Well, screaming is going to ruin your voice, and and eventually you're going to have to stop doing it if you want to keep singing. That's probably what I meant, and and it's yeah. and, it, and it's funny. I remember I, I read a. I didn't talk to him in person. I read an interview one time with um, with Chester of Lincoln Park, and he said mm. the same fucking thing. He he was said like it was when their first record came out. He's like, I don't know, can I do this forever? Like I don't know, I don't know yeah. if my voice mm-hmm. can can hold up what I'm doing to it. And um, and here I am, Jesus, I don't know how many years later, and I'm fine. <laughs> like I can yeah, sing, you. I can sing as well as I ever ever could. With, and yeah, I don't, you. I seemingly don't have any damage to my vocal cords, so. I don't know, man. You still, yeah, you still pull it off, um, yeah, really well, man. It's because that's still something that I think about um, all the time. Like I'm like, oh man, like, and I feel like I've learned. You know, I used to just yell like my head off. I don't. I'm sure. I'm sure. I don't know if you feel like your your technique like improved as as you got older or sure. as you toured more. Um, but yeah, I definitely. You know, I think especially with touring because if I. Even now, if I get too much adrenaline, sometimes I'll go really hard on like the first day or two of a tour, but I'll feel it the next day, and I'm like, uh, I gotta, yeah, I gotta pull it back a bit, and then and then it gets a lot, a lot easier. But yeah, it's 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 a tricky thing to get around, and especially because I'll I'll have people ask me for advice on how to scream or how to take care of your voice, and it's I feel bad, but like I really I don't know how to articulate what I'm doing with. I don't know with my voice to make it sound like that. Do you feel like that's something that's easy for you to kind of put no, in the words? No, 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 no. It's very, <laughs> okay. it's very hard to explain. And I've done mm-hmm. a few of those, like like whatever it was, band happy or TEI, like those those lesson things. And and I've done some of those like seminars and stuff. And mm-hmm. I find that I I can help people, but I can help people like on a one on one basis. You know, or like mm-hmm. in a small group, I can kind of be like, all right, like try this to make your scream sound better or like, or try breathing like this or this is not right. But just explaining how I do it is like very difficult. It's like, cause I'm the same way as you, as you just said, like I, I started out not knowing what the hell I was doing, like just screaming my head off. 
And then like it was trial and error. And then eventually I kind of like could do it without losing my voice. And then I could do it sounding a little bit better or and then I could change whether I wanted to do a high one or a low one, you know, and then, you know, but it wasn't like ever, ever like, a, a okay, this is like, like step by step technique, how to breathe or how to scream. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Step by step technique, how to scream, breathe in through your nose, like don't lift yeah. your shoulders. Like, and then, you know, like there's no, there's no step by step method. It isn't like a, a, it there's, it's more of an art than a science, I think. Yeah, I agree. People, people may disagree with me. Like Melissa Cross might disagree with me, but I, I, I think there's like, <laughs> I don't know. I don't think she would actually. Yeah, it's funny. I just had a lesson with her like a month and a half ago. Oh, really? Um, yeah, she's she's like the sweetest woman on the planet. Yeah, but yeah. She, um, no, she was. Um, no, she was great. She had a. She she basically told me like I'm. What I'm doing is like okay. She basically pointed out like my my breathing was was shit. I guess just from a few live videos she watched because she says that I'm like I'm inhaling like with my like my shoulders, so yeah, it's, yeah. it's mainly through my chest, and then I I kind of push all the air out, and then I don't have any left. And she kind of focused on like like you need to keep like a big reservoir down in your like closer to your stomach or your your diaphragm so that you. Like, you know, you, you push air out, but you, you're never actually running on empty or anything. And it was, it was interesting when she pointed it out. Cause in the, we, cause I was on tour while she pointed it out and she came to watch us and I was like, Oh fuck, I need to like, wow. Like, she was like watching me like while we were playing, but no, she was, she was really sweet. She had a lot of good things to say about like Garrett and his, his style of screaming and that he, he's like, he's like already figured out how to scream in a way that she's been trying to, to like teach people for like years and years. Of um, course, of course he has. Yeah. Yeah. He, <laughs> yeah. Garrett, it's really funny. Yeah. Um, yeah. Garrett used to sound uh, a lot different back in the day, actually. I don't know if you've heard like, like old, old, like early uh, silent planet, but uh, I don't know. I don't, I don't know if I have actually. He used to sound uh, like, just like the guy from double Wears Parada, like the really, oh, like, yeah. The really like high highs and then like the low lows. I mean, he still had his cool yell thing, but he didn't do it uh, quite as often. But right. um, no, seeing yeah, seeing his progression, it's been really cool. And I mean, he, like he's a smart guy, so yeah. figuring that stuff out is pretty easy for him, I'm sure. Well, stylistically, screaming has gone through a lot of eras too. I mean, like sure. like mm-hmm. it's funny you bring up like how you know you used to scream in your in your old band. Um, uh, oh no, please! Uh, yeah. <laughs> I remember the name. Uh, yeah. And you said, "Oh, I was trying to do like an Alisana thing or a, or an Emery thing." And it's like people don't realize, and like you're a bit younger than me too. People don't realize that like back in that era, like back in like you know the early 2000s, like 2002, 2003, 2004, mm. doing like a low like scream, like a low guttural metal scream, was mm-hmm. like was like lame. Like yeah. that wasn't cool. Like the high pitch shit was like was cool. And that's like yeah. if you listen to the first Silverstein record, like it's those vocals, I don't even know what I like what I'm doing. I'm just screaming my head off. But that was the sound like everyone was going for. Like I remember yeah. even somebody saying we were talking about Poison the Well, which is a band I like I love I have always loved and, and will always love. And mm-hmm. They someone was talking about oh I don't like bands with like low screaming vocals like that somebody said that to me and I go back and I listen to Poison the Well now and I'm like 
those aren't even like that low. Yeah, yeah. You know, and it's it's like yeah. really funny how like stylistically things have changed, you know, and then it got into the super like low metal, you know, vocals and hardcore. And then for a while it was like all yelling, you know, and now yeah, it's like now mm-hmm. there's like bands like Knocked Loose that are doing like, you know, almost bringing a whole new style into it. Like it, it's all, all, all the time. It's it's evolving. Like what what is you know the cool way to scream and you know and and I think that's okay. Yeah, it's it's a trip for sure. Hearing because sometimes I'll hear someone screaming. I'm like, I don't know if I like it. And then I'll and then I'll keep listening. I'm like, no, it's kind of cool. Like they're they're like they're trying their own thing instead of trying to sound like everybody else. I I felt like that with this band uh, as cities burn when I was yeah. a lot younger. And they're um I think his name's TJ, but he. I remember, yeah, they, they had that song, Son, I Loved You, at your darkest. And I remember hearing it the first time and going like, I don't know if I like it. Because the screaming was, because he literally, yeah, he's just yelling. And it's you can hear like, you can kind of hear like the strain in his vocal cords when he's doing it. But that's <laughs> yeah. kind of what was so cool about it. And then the more I listened to it, I was like, oh, I love this band. Like, it's, it's really, yeah. really interesting stuff. But you're right. It's definitely... Especially, yeah, even, I mean, even just instrumentally, it's really, it's really funny hearing how my old band used to write 10 years ago and then how Dayseeker writes now. It's just like, it's, yeah, it's really funny seeing where metal or, you know, post-hardcore has gone in in just the past 10 years or so. Absolutely. Well, one of your bands, your old bands, Arms Like You, uh, sorry, Arms Like Yours, one of your old, (laughs) I'll do that again. One of your old bands, Arms Like Yours, kind of still has a cult following in California. Kind of. Yeah. There's, there's definitely, I mean, it's appreciated. Definitely. It's funny though, that we'll get the random comments on YouTube every once in a while going like, day secret sucks, bring back arms like yours. And it's like, it's really, it's really funny because, uh, like a lot of the core writing for the first few day seeker albums was still, um, like myself and our guitarist from Arms Like Yours. So like the same, so that like if we had even continued the band, it would have been the same material. It's just a different <laughs> name. But yeah, people just, yeah, the, you know, people always have that funny sort of band they want to lock onto. But um, yeah, I still, I still meet a lot of, I'll even meet people in like the middle of nowhere in the US who are like, <laughs> Arms Like Yours, man. And it, it's always, it's always really surprising to me because I, I literally did a, like zero extensive touring with that project. So right, I, right. I'm always really um, perplexed as to how anybody found out about that project at all, but it's, it's cool, man. You, you can't forget your roots, you know? No, no. And it's, it is, it is good. And, and also another thing that, you know, um, you do, you, I mean, you have a lot of different kind of projects you do, but your soul stuff is, is really, really great. Uh, oh, thanks, I really like, like um, that song home on hold is like, is like an insanely good song. I want everyone to check it out. I'll probably play it at the end of the episode uh, so people can reference it. But that that is a song that, you know, you talk about, you talked a little bit about relatability, you know, mm-hmm. with, um, with, the, with the concept record, Dreaming is Sinking. Uh, you talk about relatability, but that song is very relatable to, you know, kind of the, the everyday person, uh, whatever walk of life they come from. Yeah. Um, thank you, man. I, I didn't, Man, you really look up your guests, I guess, before they. Before oh, they get I do on my homework. Show. Sure, I do my homework. Um, yeah, no, I appreciate that, man. That's a it's a pretty old song, but um, yeah, I, I love I love doing like I, 
I grew up in that actually. Like when I first started playing, I was I really I was into like really in a yellow card or like dashboard or you yeah. know, just like really, you know, emo or sad sounding stuff and then and then yeah, I think my sister played like one of the first under oath records for me. And I remember <laughs> I was like, Oh, screaming, cool. And then but um yeah, but I that was how I started learning how to play guitar when I was like 15 and I didn't really actually have any intentions of, of, uh, trying to sing. And then it just kind of happened as I got more comfortable with, uh, with playing guitar. But I feel like I have like a very sentimental attachment to that style. Cause I, I played by myself and just did like coffee shop acoustic shows when I was growing up in high school. Yeah. Um, and, um, yeah. And it's, it's, you know, it's always interesting to play that stuff and, and do stuff that it always seems to be about a girl and in those situations. But, um, yeah, I appreciate you liking that one, man. No, I I do. I do. I really do. I'm working on a, I'm doing a side project with Mike, who is our drummer. Um, and it's, it's stuff that's pretty close to that. It's a little more, it's more electric guitar though. Um, like the same type of style. It's just more clean electric. And then Mike's making a bunch of, uh, electronic beats i always say it's kind of like it sounds like uh i don't know like a a more emo like justin bieber or (laughs) like uh postal service or something okay um but uh or i don't know if you listen to this guy uh nothing nowhere oh yeah Um, yeah 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 so it's kind of that was kind of cool i like how he sort of blended like just the saddest shit with like uh, hip hop influences though. And the, in the instrumentation I always thought was really interesting. Right, right. So, so I'm supposed to be doing, um, yeah, me and Mike are writing a lot right now. So hopefully that'll be out pretty soon, but, but thanks dude. Lots it's, of stuff. Really cool Lots of you. stuff. Um, another thing that you, that day seeker is known for a little bit is doing a lot of covers mm-hmm. and I'm kind of like, m- here's my take. Okay. On why you guys do mm-hmm. so many covers the lyrics you write and the the music you make, it's so emotionally draining for you that covers are like your escape <laughs> so that you can just take a little time off and, and just like breathe and finally be like, all right, we can just like, we can do something a little more fun rather than put all this emotional craziness into these albums and these songs. Am I, am I right? Am I, I su- am I psychoanalyzing <clears throat> too much? I suppose it could be true. Um, Oh, you did cover Adele, like, hello. Like, that's pretty brutal, emotionally <laughs> yeah, was, song, too. But at least you didn't write I was it. Like, yeah, no, oh, I mean, you know, if you're talking about, like, Jealous by Nick Jonas, that's, you know, that's, right, like, sure. obviously, it's just a fun pop song. But, yeah, we, uh, yeah, it's, I mean, it's definitely just, it's interesting trying to take someone else's song and, you know, put your own spin on it. Um, it's, I, I could agree that. I don't see it as being super emotionally draining from the content we write. Cause I feel like I'm just, I do it every night, you know, when we tour and I, I talk about it pretty openly and it's, mm-hmm. I feel like it, it helps me feel better if anything, but it is fun to kind of take a step back and do something that's a little more outside of the box. Like Nick Jonas. Um, we actually, we, we actually, we, after we finished up our last tour, um, it was with uh, ice nine kills and the plot and you, and uh, we we actually went back to the studio um, with the guy who did Dreaming is Sinking, and we did a few uh, we did a few mellow versions of songs off of the album, and uh-huh. then we uh, we did uh, we did two covers as well. So I'm excited to to put those out. Um, but there's we definitely we did a more 
we did like a really sad, really <clears throat> like emotional one that I think is more typical. And then we did one that's kind of entirely out of left, definitely in the realm of like, um, like a Nick Jonas cover. So, uh, I'm excited to, to put those out. Cool. They're just, so I don't stuff. know. Yeah. It's, um, it's also just a way for, I feel like people to find out about us who, who would like literally never listen to us. Like I kind of feel bad, but we, we dropped our, we dropped our Adele cover and it, it spread around pretty decently initially. And then I remember we were, uh, we were getting on a plane to go, uh, to the to the UK for our first tour and they they dropped our video like right before we got on the plane and it you know it had like 200 views or something before we got on and I was like oh it's pretty okay and then we got off the plane and you know it didn't have service for like 10 hours I and mean, then it had like 20,000 and then by the end of the day I think it had like 38 it was just like it was the fastest traction we had seen on one of our videos ever yeah. I think it had like 100,000 in, in just a few days and it was it was really cool, but um, anyways, it was funny. We played in um, we played in Wales in the UK, and uh, you know we were headlining, and it was our first time over there. So a lot of the shows, you know, they actually did a lot better than we anticipated. But we there was like there was kind of like this older couple that was hanging out at the show, and I was mm-hmm. like, oh, like one of their kids must be playing in the in like one of the opening bands or something. And then we, you know, we finished playing and I, I still saw them there and I was like, Oh man, they like, and they weren't just like, uh, having a drink. Like they were like watching like pretty, right. Pretty closely. And then I, I ended up talking cause they must've been in like their late forties or early fifties. Like this, this cute little British couple. And they, <laughs> they told us that they, they heard our Adele cover and that was why they came to watch us, but oh, then wow. I felt bad because I feel like we like we <laughs> What's lured up, them motherfuckers? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I feel like we lured them in kind of under some false pretenses. Right. So, um, but hey, I but mean, yeah, it's, yeah. it's a good way to get your foot in the door. Like I had, uh, I had the guys from I Prevail on the podcast a while back, and yeah, you know I they were very, dudes. very honest about that they used they used their Taylor Swift cover to get their foot in the door. And get people to hear about their band and, mm-hmm. you know, and, and, you know, people are like, they said like, hey, people like our music because they like our music. It doesn't matter that they found out about it through, you know, that other way. Mm-hmm. So I, I think it's, I, I'm okay with it. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, we, d- we did a tour with them a few years ago. Uh, I love, I love all the guys in that group, but um, no, it's, it's amazing that it, it worked out for them in the yeah. way that it did. And yeah, I think. I don't know if it's true, but I think I also heard it's because I think Taylor Swift was like boycotting um, like a lot of the major, uh, the whatever, like Spotify or iTunes, you know, all that stuff at the time. So I think it was funny because when that single came out of hers, everybody was searching blank space. Ah. The song wouldn't come up, but I prevails would. And so my, our engineer, yeah, he was, he's like, I think that, that also had a, a big, wow. a big part in why it went kind of viral, which was what kind a of perfect storm, right? Yeah. I mean, yeah. if they even knew, they might not have even thought about that, <laughs> but that is, that is genius. That is genius. Yeah. Wow, man. That's, that, that's crazy. Um, so, uh, before I let you go, I don't take up too much more of your time. Uh, but, uh, I got a fan question here. Oh, interesting. Uh, a fan question, yes. This comes from um, Brendan Potter. And mm-hmm. uh, he says, I found your song, A God Without a Face, while I was losing my faith in Mormonism and becoming an atheist. 
That song really seems to be a heart-wrenching song. What was Rory going through when he wrote those lyrics? Um, yeah, so, yeah, that's funny. I've talked to a few people about this. Because um, uh, uh, on our first record, we had a song called Hollow Shell, which is basically, um, it's, it's like, a, it's written in a perspective where all the singing lyrics are from a guy who's um, kind of like struggling with his faith, but he still thinks there is a God. He's just at a really kind of like dark place. And then, um, and then all the screaming vocals are from like God's perspective, like trying to, um, encourage him to, you know, hold his faith and that, you know, everything will be okay. And, you know, a lot of people grabbed onto that one, but, um, yeah, on the album after it, uh, we wrote a song and it had like a similar key and like similar chord structuring. And so I thought it'd be cool to kind of, it could have just been called hollow shell, like part two, but I I didn't want to ruin people's like if they really loved hollow shell i didn't want yeah. them to think i was just shitting all over that on the second version but um yeah god without a face was kind of i feel like hollow shell was sort of in a you know and i day to day i'm I'm not an atheist at all which is a shame because i think when we put out that song a lot of people thought i i went like full-on atheist on that album but um I just, um, you know, I struggle with my faith. I think like anybody does. And, you know, on on a day-to-day basis, sometimes it's stronger and sometimes it's weaker. But um, I think Hollow Shell on the first album was kind of on the end of a spectrum of feeling like, like there is a God. I'm just, I'm in a really bad place and, you know, but I think it'll be okay. And, you know, trying to encourage people on that end. So um, God Without a Face, which is, it was just written, I wanted to write from somebody's perspective you know, on, on my other side of, you know, my, my worst day where I just don't know if there is a God. And I kind of wanted to write again. Yeah. Just from somebody who had entirely lost their faith and, um, you know, hopefully help guide people through similar situations who who are dealing with hardships like that. But it is, it is unfortunate. And I do understand it because I, I think a lot of times it's hard for people to separate, um, the content of a song versus the person writing it. So, and that is kind of something to be careful about too, is just that, you know, if I write something about not really believing in a God or, um, you know, not having faith in one, even if it's not from my perspective, a lot of people will assume that it just is because, uh, cause I'm saying it, you know, on an album, but, right. um, it's cool that, yeah, I've had, you know, that you're, you've given me this opportunity to have this platform to speak about it. And I've, yeah. I've yeah. talked about it in a few other interviews too, cause I, I have met a few other people who are like, I loved you guys. And then I heard that song and it like crushed me. Like, you know, like I can't believe you're an atheist and you don't believe in God. And you know, it's, it's, well, uh, it's I don't know. I'm an atheist and I don't believe in God. I mean, that's, that's sorry. <laughs> like, what do you want me to say? You want me to lie? Tell, you no, know, yeah, like, uh, I mean, I mean, it's, it's, that's funny though. You know, you put out, it's amazing. Like we were, we were lumped in with a lot of Christian bands when we started too. Mm-hmm. We toured with like our first tour was with, was with Narcissist. I don't know if you remember that band. They were on Tooth and Nail and this band House of Heroes, which is actually an awesome band, mm-hmm. for, for, both from Ohio. And that was our first tour we did. And then we toured with Dead Poetic and we toured with, jeez, uh, I'm forgetting all the names, all Christian bands. So everyone thought we were a Christian band. Yeah. And mm-hmm. we aren't. And the amount of emails I got about about Jesus and about the, these lyrics being about Jesus and, and like, you know, that, do you remember that website, songmeetings.net? Uh, yeah, it's, yeah, it's yeah, a great, totally, oh, it's a totally. great website and it has like, you know, people write what they think the songs are about and there's discussions. 
the amount of songs that, that, that they think Silverstein songs are about, about God and, and faith and stuff, it's like, they're not, none of them, <laughs> not, none of them are, you yeah, know? Yeah. So, so like, you know, I, I don't know what to, what to tell people, but like, you know, you gotta be honest about, I mean, you're an honest person in everything mm-hmm. else. So I, I mean, why wouldn't you be honest about what you believe in? You know, I think yeah. it's fine. No. Yeah. It's, um, yeah, it's each their own. And I don't, yeah. you know, I have, I have friends like Garrett who are, you know, hardcore into their Christianity. And I, I have friends who just don't believe in anything. And that's, that's totally okay. And like, I, mm-hmm. I, I'm still, I think so too. I'm still good friends with a lot of people, regardless of our separate beliefs. But yeah, it's just funny. I mean, and I get it too. You know, they, they might just be younger kids who are more impressionable and they, you know, I, I'm sure I was like that at some point where I, I would take maybe something personally, maybe not on a religious aspect because I didn't care that much about it when I was growing up in the, the music scene, you know, I didn't, I didn't care mm-hmm. if it under oath was a Christian band or devil wears. It's a Christian band. It didn't, it didn't make a difference to me as long Seems as like all your favorite bands them. were Christian bands though. Too. <laughs> as cities burns Christian band too. Yeah, they were. Yeah. Um, uh, no, I mean, I don't know if yellow card was considered Christian, but, um, yeah, it's no, I, I, I totally agree, man. And you gotta, you obviously have to just, write about what you want to write about and it's you you can't really i don't want to say you can't care what people think but you you can't take um too many opinions to heart and yeah. i think that's been an interesting thing and in, in being a writer um and you know having your stuff shared to a mass public where people can can shit on it or they can praise it and you know thankfully it's like it's like 95 you know good and then five percent bad it's, and you know sure. i thank sure. god for that because i do see i see a lot of I see well, not a lot, but I've seen other bands where it's like, it's like the flip side where I, it's just mainly negative response, and then there's a small amount of supporters who are well, sticking with them. But um, no, yeah, but that's um, well, I, I hope that clarified that for that guy. And uh, oh yeah, I think know, so. I mean, it's, it's it's just nice of you to mention it for him. Uh, yeah. So. Cool, man. Well, I, I I only have one more question. Uh, thank you mm-hmm. again for doing this, and and you know your your music is so great. I hope so many people check it out now, especially the new record. Um, but you have one of the coolest or most interesting side jobs I've ever heard of for a touring band guy. You know, most guys work in bars or load trucks or whatever, but you work uh, in the optometry field. I do. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So tell me about that. That's that's definitely very unique. Um. Yeah, I don't know. I just, um, I got out of high school when I was 18 and I, uh, I needed a job and my, my sister was working for, uh, do you guys have lens crafters over there? Yes, or? we do. We do. Oh, how funny. Um, and, uh, we kind of yeah, have she, everything that you have pretty much. Yeah, I know. I sound like, uh, I sound like a dick. We have, well, no, well, we have, there's some stuff we don't have. I mean, we didn't have Chipotle <laughs> until a few years ago, actually. Wow. But, really? Yeah. That's crazy. Um, yeah, she, um, one of my older sisters worked at lens crafters and she's like, I can get you an interview at, you know, this office. And I was like, no, I'm going to, I was, I was prideful and I was an idiot. And I, I was like, I wanted to go work at guitar center because I was <laughs> a musician. And then, you know, I've, I mean, no disrespect to guitar center, but I've, I've had quite a few friends who work there who so say they, they actually really don't like it. But, I can't stand being um, in that place. Like every time I'm in guitar center, I just want to leave. I don't know what really? it is. I, 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 I know. You, like when I was a kid, I used to love guitar stores. Now I go uh, in, I'm like, just like, just get your drumsticks or picks or whatever. And let's get the fuck out of here. I, I like, oh my God. I don't know, That's man. So it's funny. I don't know why, but anyways, go on, go on. Um, 
Yeah, I tried, you know, I tried working there. I tried, you know, a, a bunch of other jobs and I, I didn't have a ton of working experience at the time. So, um, yeah, after a few months I was like, yeah, you better give me that interview actually. And then, uh, yeah, I don't know. It's kind of been a crazy ride. I worked for them. They're a lot more corporate. Um, I didn't have, uh, such an awesome time working for that company. But then I, I just went into like private offices. Um, it's definitely more of like a, like a family or sort of home environment. Like people will go to the same office cause they, they like the doctor or they feel like it's, um, like it's somewhere they want to go for like years and years and years. So, sure. um, it's an interesting field. Yeah. I worked in the lab for a while where you actually make like the, the lenses and, and stuff to be put in the glasses. So it's, um, it's a cool field and I, you know, I do like the work. The issue is trying to balance that with, uh, you know, like a touring schedule every two or three months is like, yep. it's, <laughs> I've definitely hopped to a few different jobs and I always try and lay it on kind of, kind of, I guess, like good expectations in the beginning. I'm like, yeah, I got a tour like every once in a while, but you know, I'll, like I'll give you a heads up and then, you know, like three or four tours later, they're like, damn dude like how like, <laughs> how often are you gonna keep because le- i think they're like oh he's gonna tour like once a year or like maybe right. less than that but i mean i mean music is definitely it's definitely what i'm passionate about and it you know it, it does get better every time we go out like we we make a little bit more money i feel like i see more kids like you know who know our stuff and our crowds get a little bit better so it's kind of a it's kind of a waiting game between i mean I mean, forgive me for prying. I mean, do you do you work other than uh, Silverstein and, and the podcast? Or I, no, I, no, I don't. I haven't had a, I haven't had like a real job in uh, fifteen years. Damn, that's amazing, man. Yeah, good for you, dude. Yeah, um, no, yeah I'm, so I'm, I feel very lucky that that I was able to, you know, I've been able to do it. the band's been able to be successful for so long. Um, absolutely, but you know. Um, this is what we're doing here, man. We're gonna get everybody to listen to your record, and then you can quit your job, or just do it, or just do it when you want. And uh, yeah, because you guys are an amazing band, and there's no reason why you shouldn't be, you know, headlining all over the world all the time. Thank you, man. Yeah, well, um, yeah, I I appreciate all the nice things you said, and you know, we'll we'll see what the future holds. We have we have some cool some cool stuff planned for 2018, so I'm hoping I'm hoping it'll be a, a good year for us. I'm excited, man. Well, hey, thank you so much for taking the time and uh, enjoy your Wednesday uh, afternoon. Dude, thank you, man. Really appreciate it. All right, Rory. All the best, man. So there it is with Rory. Expect some big things. I know they got some cool things coming up, some cool plans. So check them out. Listen to their music. Listen to their covers. I really just love the emotion that Rory puts into all of the music. Before I let you go, I want to remind you to be subscribed to this podcast. I know you're listening to this on some platform. Maybe it's the Apple Podcast app. Maybe it's on your Android phone. Maybe it's on SoundCloud. Whatever it is, hit the little subscribe button right now. That helps me out. Also, if you like the show, please go on iTunes and write a review, preferably five stars. All this stuff helps keeping this thing going and keeping this thing growing. Thanks so much. I'm going to leave you with a tune. And this one features my good friend, well, our good friend, Garrett Russell of Silent Planet. Here is Dayseeker with Sleep in the Sea Part 2. I'm Lead Singer Syndrome. Peace and love. We'll see you next week. When I return, the water